0: George, we got a lot to talk about tonight. We've got Big Ten scheduling, which I know everybody was kind of waiting on. Possible Big Ten expansion, which I don't know if anybody really believes is going to happen anytime soon. Uh, Crazy stuff happened down in Georgia. Uh, Brian Hartline has some comments on transfers leaving, which probably will not surprise you at all. Uh, A new safety, I know people were kind of worried about the status of defensive recruiting. Looks like we've shorn that up a little bit in the past few hours. And then finally a a huge icon of Ohio State campus culture is leaving. Although I would argue maybe not recent campus culture. So we'll get into that. First, let's go ahead and start with the schedule. So as you probably know or have heard, uh, Ohio State uh, is of course part of the Big 10. The Big 10 has gotten rid of their divisions Uh, We're going to, I think, what are they they calling this? I think it's like a flex plus is what they had said, George. Is that what they're calling it?
1: Something Uh, like that? Don't ask me, man. I I I was just getting used to legends and leaders, and then they switched it up on us again. They
0: betrayed us. I'm really sad that that left. Um, Yeah, so I think it's a flex plus thing. And and essentially the idea here is that um, the schools of the Big Ten, which now include, of course, UCLA and USC, will have... Uh, a two-play, I guess they call it two-play opponents. So the idea is that they'll be playing them both home and away in 24 and 25. They'll rotate. The idea is that you will play every team in the conference over the course of just a few years. And then you have a protected opponent that you will play, uh, you know, every year. Some teams have one, as in Ohio State, which we'll get to that in a second. Some teams have as many as three, which is kind of crazy to me. I don't know why Iowa needs three protected opponents, but apparently they do. Um, Ohio States, of course, is Michigan. And I think where a lot of the conversation here that I think we'll have is, uh, kind of leading towards is that Penn state was not part of that. And Ohio state, you would, I mean, ostensibly, right. You've got this, you've got the stated opponent, you've got the stated rival, obviously in Michigan, and then the ostensible rival is Penn state, who I think a lot of Ohio state fans kind of tongue in cheek were like, ah, they're not a real rival. They're not that great, blah, blah, blah. Are you smarting George at the loss of Penn State every year? And are you extremely happy now that Illibuck is back in play for the first time since 2017?
1: A lot, a lot to get into. So first and foremost, what needs to be addressed out of what you said is it's very good that they put they locked three teams into playing Iowa every year because that <laughs> mitigates the impact that watching Kirk Ferentz has on the rest <laughs> of the Big Ten audience. That's so right. it's it's very, very good that they've they they consolidated the the stank that the Corn Huskers leave on the rest of our, our beautiful conference right. and the football it plays. So that's that was a good decision um here relative to the other ones. I don't care for the wooden turtle and uh <laughs> I, I'm gonna miss well, beating you're a bad up person. on James I'm sorry. Franklin. you're carrying a flame for old illibuck there johnny
0: of course i am are you kidding me i wrote i wrote like an 800 word article about it last week i look here's the thing is illinois a replacement for penn state no of course (laughs) they're not however okay i was listening to the uh the you know the general chat and topics and everybody talking about this and then the takes that everyone had about these schedules and how people are angry, like, Oh, Penn state, how, how would you replace Penn state with anybody or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. And like, first of all, there aren't a lot of teams in the big 10 that are consistent threat to Ohio state. There really aren't. And, and so, you know, if you're really looking at like who's giving Ohio state the best games, who's actually like putting them on their heels a little bit, then you got to look at Purdue and nobody's going to, nobody gives a crap about Purdue. Nobody's trying to do that for Purdue. So for me, I'm terrified of Purdue. Yeah. And you should be, you should be because that's the team that's beaten Ohio state most consistently in the past two decades. And look, I understand that you've got the white out at night at Penn state. That's awesome. That's a great scene. I'm not trying to take anything away from that. My point is though, is that it, it doesn't have to be a protected game every single year. It can be something that, like, it it ramps up the, you know, I think the novelty of it a little bit if it isn't happening every year. I did like kind of trading off with the whiteout and the blackout that Ohio State was doing. But honestly, you know, you can do that with a lot of teams and still, I think, have the same impact. So I understand why people might be frustrated that Penn State's not going to be there all the time. I also think that um, it's not the end of the world. And when you've got a conference as large as this, I do kind of want to see more teams come into Columbus and Ohio State travel around a little bit. So, I don't
1: know. I'm not, I'm not the, as
0: irritated about this as other people might be.
1: I, I'm concerned because knowing the criticism that Ohio State annually receives in the college football playoff conversation, one of the big pluses that they would routinely get was beating Penn State in the October months, Penn State being out of contention effectively in the Big Ten East, but still having a season to attempt to salvage and, you know, James Franklin trying to save face. So they would salvage whatever value was remaining from their stock by beating up on the rest of the teams, Mm -hmm. thereby making Ohio State looking better down the stretch. They're not going to be able to annually have that pillar to rely on in the playoff conversation now in terms of that consistent victory being there. Um, That's going to be a problem, I think, if you know Michigan has an unforeseen down season going forward in one of these years, there's going to be an issue if Ohio State doesn't run the table of are they going to be able to get a top seed. Now, relative to what we talked about last week with the restructuring, they will probably still be able to get in even with one or two losses. They'll still be able to compete for the title. But in terms of putting themselves in the best position to do that, not getting Penn State not only hurts them from a playoff discussion perspective, but also from just a, you know, relative competitive tune-up perspective, it's good to get a very consistently high-level opponent like that in the middle of your season as, you know, you don't want to call it a tune-up. They're better than that. But in terms of just a check about where the team is at and where they want to be relative to their goals – That's always been a good thing. Not having that check in the middle of that season anymore doesn't make me feel good about postseason aspirations. Now really the only thing we're going to have to rely on is the Michigan game and at that point, it's very much going to be a do or die time. It, it's just it, it it was already always coming down to that game anyway, pretty much. But this just mm-hmm. kind of centralized the impact of that game relative to these two teams into that. And I don't really like that that much, to be honest. That's
0: I think that's a very fair point. Um, and particularly if you look at the rest of the Big Ten, I mean, you're know, like, all right, well, OK, they're not paying plans. They're not playing Penn State, but, you know, maybe they're playing Michigan State or maybe they're playing, you know, Iowa or something like that. I agree. That is not necessarily the best barometer that you want uh, for your team, particularly if you're going into uh, November and you're like, okay, are they evolving? Are they improving? Are they getting better? And that is, I would agree with you. That is something that is a little bit of a concern because you want, you know, steel, you know, sharpens steel. So you, you want, or iron sharpens iron, I guess, into steel. But you want these teams to be improving continuously over the course of the year. And then if Michigan, even if Michigan doesn't fall off the map, that's actually maybe what you would worry about even more is if let's say Michigan's still really good. And then you don't really know where the team is up to that point at the end of November. And you think, okay, well, this is their first real challenge all year that that could be a problem. So I I do see that. And, you know, from a purely entertainment standpoint, I'm not super miffed about the yearly loss to Penn state, but I I do think from a a development standpoint, I think that is something that maybe a guy like Ryan day could be concerned about. I think that's a very fair point. Um, I do think some of these protected rivals are are kind of funny. I mean, they make sense for the most part, but there's also some weird ones that I feel like they just kind of threw in there that, I mean, I know the big 10 has got a 10,000, you know, trophy games and I don't know all of them. Um, But you know, some of them like the regional ones where you've got like Nebraska and Iowa and Wisconsin and Minnesota and all, you know, in Iowa and Wisconsin, those all make sense. I do think like, (laughs) yes, geographically it works, but like Rutgers and Maryland kind of feels like just getting the two like shortest kids on the playground to fight each other and just see, you know, who wins, (laughs) like, you know, like I don't know that that's one that's really going to bring in the big, the big uh, bucks in terms of like viewership. Um, You know, Northwest and Illinois, same deal. Yeah, they're both Illinois teams, but like, is that one that people are really like chomping at the bit? That that
1: is a big time rivalry in the state of Illinois, Johnny. That is the battle for Lincoln's hat. That is formerly the suit tomahawk. I knew there was going to be a trophy with uh, it. Oh, so you know about these wooden turtles, but you don't (laughs) know about the former golden president's hat? (laughs) Come on,
0: man. I'm sorry. You're right. I, and, and it's Lincoln's hat, too. That's the one I should know. Never let it be said that I don't support a ridiculous trophy game. Okay? I always will support <laughs> a ridiculous trophy game. Oh, okay? they're
1: all over the Big Ten. There's oh, my God. And, that's, the, and I love That's that it. spittoon that Minnesota plays for or something. It's beautiful. Like.
0: Floyd of Rosedale. You've got Paul Bunyan's axe. And then you've got a miniature Paul Bunyan, which is great. Uh, oh, I love it. You know, you've got a wooden turtle. Yeah, the Big Ten's got... And then you've got the land-grant trophy, which is, lit, like, I think there was a... Uh, one of the coaches involved said that it was, like, five bowling trophies just glued together, which is also hilarious. Like, that's incredible. Um, I think you had the the broken bits of uh, a chair um, trophy that some kids came up with. That was pretty good. I don't... The UCLA and USC, obviously, are the protected ones. Um, I will say... For UCLA specifically, I thought it was really funny that Nebraska and Rutgers would be the home and home that they start off with. Like you take you take like cool LA, like we're okay, we're going to start in Lincoln, Nebraska, and Piscataway. That's where we're going to send you to to see where these Hollywood bright lights are going to go to. Um, That's that's really what we want to see out of this team. Um, You know, USC got Penn State, Wisconsin. Those are. Is there a Nebraska Iowa Trophy? Is there? I mean, I'm sure there's a rivalry, right?
1: Is that Floyd of Rosedale? I would. There's. There's got to be some like kind of corn, like, so <laughs> just some kind of giant cold golden. It's got to be an affront to Michigan because it's certainly not maize, but it's some kind of giant gold corn so trophy. That that's a huge Iowa, opportunity Minnesota is Floyd of Rosedale.
0: You said Nebraska and Iowa.
1: Iowa yeah it's the two biggest it's the corn huskers and the uh and the Hawkeyes but Iowa obviously has its own corn heritage I would they actually have one of the worst ones I forgot over. about
0: this it's the heroes game um and they get basically what? just it's it's stupid it's it's I don't know it's dumb. It's the heroes' game and they basically win like a silver football on top of a a you know a diet oh yeah it's bad it's not good. There's a million things they could have done with that, and it's terrible. But that might be the bits of chair rivalry,
1: too. I always forget which one's that. But That's devastating, man. They're, they could do so much more with that. I know. They, they it's could, a, like, it's whittle the corn, corn cobs. <laughs> exactly.
0: Which is really – I mean, that's the thing, though. Like, that's what I love about the Big Ten is that it leans into these really ridiculous things. Nebraska-Minnesota is the $5 bits of broken chair trophy. Um, oh, my gosh. So good for them. That's great. But, like – You know, I do appreciate and I, first of all, great on them for getting rid of the divisions that that needs to happen. And some people are like, oh, Ohio State, Michigan, play each other two weeks in a row. That already was, you know, a possibility. So whatever, Um, you know, just with the playoff instead. Uh, I don't you know, I think right now this is pretty much the best that they could have done with it. I am certainly not, you know, besides the fact that Ohio State doesn't have that protected with Penn State, I think overall they did a very good job with this scheduling. I'm not super salty
1: about any of it. Um, When you're trying to incorporate 16 teams, I think this is about as good as it's going to get. Okay, so we've done away with divisions now. I don't know if they're going to add teams, and we're going to talk about that next in terms of expansion, but – right. At what point do we change the name of the conference? It's not 10 anymore. It hasn't been 10 the entire time I've been alive. It bothers Um, me so much. Just call it the big or something. Like when do we rebrand? Like when do we finally get to the point that it's like, all right, we're we're changing this.
0: That's actually a legitimate question. I I think if they do, and let's get into expansion a little bit because we were talking about this. Gene Smith said that the Big Ten doesn't have. Uh, they've been talking about it, right? They talk about it all the time, but they're not trying to make any more moves immediately, like right? in the immediate future. Right. Uh, there was a reporter out there in uh, D.C. Uh, Jim Williams, who said that, you know, the Big Ten's vetted Cal, Stanford, Oregon, Washington, Georgia Tech, you know, basically like kind of the usual suspects that I think people would would imagine, you know, Dukes in there for whatever reason, um, basically picking apart the bones of the ACC and the Pac-12, but um, which is fine. And I, and I think if they do go to that, what they're going to do is they're going to they're going to try to make sure that USC and UCLA don't have to travel coast to coast you know, eight times a season or something like that. They're going to try to get in an Oregon or a Washington or a Stanford um, if they can. And I think they'll probably try to add at least two and then bump this thing up. Um, I I think, you know, Oregon, Stanford would be two really prime targets for them. I think they would love that. But as far as branding goes in general, I don't know, man. It's (laughs) like at a certain point, you're right. It does become ridiculous. When there was 11, it was kind of ridiculous when they incorporated like the number 11 into the actual logo. That was cute. Yeah. That That was cute. cute. That That was was well done.
1: That was classy. It's like, if you're going to, it's the best of a bad situation. Yeah. That
0: was five teams ago. So (laughs) at a certain point, they're going to have to figure something out. And I think maybe just saying like the big conference or like B1, I don't know. They got to figure something out because it is, it is getting kind of increasingly ridiculous. When I was a kid, one of my favorite uh, book series to read was The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which was originally planned as a trilogy and ended up going five books. And so after the third one, they're like, yeah, the the, the fourth book and in the increasingly inaccurately named trilogy. Um, and I feel like that's the way it is with the Big Ten. Like it's becoming increasingly inaccurately named. And, you know, <laughs> it doesn't actually matter. But at a certain point, especially when we get to super conferences, it's almost like the words stop having any kind of meeting like it's East Asia and and like Oceania in 1984. You know what I mean? Like it's like, it doesn't matter what they're called. It just matters that you're in perpetual war with the rest of the, you know, college football
1: world. So what would you rebrand the conference to? What would would be your first pick?
0: Uh, Something, I don't know. Something really generic to be,
1: you know what I mean? Like we're, we're talking more about generic than the Big Ten Conference. I know. Well, that's what
0: I'm saying. Well, ten's a specific number, George. So how about the large? I was ten about to say, conference? That's what I was about to say. Like large or some synonym with huge, like huge. Like, <laughs> and then I don't know. Try to super the tremendous, a tremendous, tremendous football, tremendous conference. Uh, yeah, something, some kind of synonym them with big that will be innocuous enough, innocuous enough to sell to advertisers, but also, uh, you know, bland enough to irritate everybody on Twitter. That's, that's kind of what I'm saying.
1: I'd, I'd go with the conference of adequate size. That's, that's <laughs> the
0: conference of unusual size. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, it's it'll be interesting. I do think that they will need to expand. They're certainly not going to be able to sit on USC and UCLA. I know that uh, you know California in general is not super happy about that. About them, uh, you know, the state of California was not super happy about them leaving the Pac-12. But if you bring in Stanford, they can't say a boo about it. And if they bring in Oregon, I don't really think Oregon would give a crap. So. Um, I, I really think those are probably the two most likely targets. And Stanford, of course, one of the other things that we talked about uh, or have been talking about with this discussion is the AAU designation, right? The All American University, and you know yes. what that means for research. And honestly, people may scoff at this. That still matters. It doesn't matter as much, but it definitely still matters. And um, you know, with the inclusion of Nebraska, you can't say that they're like being pure about that. But they would love to have a research institution like Stanford in the fold, right? Like that would be a big deal for them. I think they'd be very happy about that. For sure. And the thing is, is like, you know, it's not just like endowment and research, it's also being able to make those kind of connections and, and sports, I mean, it seems like kind of a absurd thing, but the idea that you would have those kind of relationships being developed between the schools. That would lead to better things for Nebraska if Stanford was in the fold, because then people could make connections and then maybe you could like do things with, you know, exchanging faculty and and all that kind of other stuff. So that does mean something for the conference. And I'm sure they're they're thinking real hard about that aspect as well. Um,
1: I don't know. We'll see. One one other team I think that's interesting to point out relative to the AAU is that Notre Dame was also recently added to that, and they Excellent also it point, was yeah. it was surprising to see that they weren't already in there. But now that they've done that, and I believe they've also recently made a a uh, high level leadership change. I'm not sure if it was uh, their president, but they've recently hired a, a I believe it was a, a TV executive from uh, NBC or a former president there to be. Um, one of the one of the people in charge. So you would think with those two things in place, that would position a team like Notre Dame that's long had a, a standing interest in being around a lot of big Ten teams for its football performance. Uh, you would think that they'd be in a well-positioned place to join the conference going forward, despite what has been communicated here about not adding, as well as the the teams that we've seen floated out there that aren't necessarily Notre Dame. I would think that Notre Dame is going to see the name like Big Ten Saturday night on TV for the first time, and they're going to realize, okay... This is where our money is going, and this is where we're going to have to go. Right, And even though they've communicated they want to be independent, I think we've seen them slowly gravitating towards joining this conference, and we've talked about you know these cheeky little rivalries uh, that we enjoy on the regional scene um, that make the Big Ten special. And you would think for a team like uh, Notre Dame, you would probably want to get a night game with Michigan on Saturday night you would probably want to rekindle those interests with Michigan State and those other uh, teams that you've got rivalries with in the Big Ten that you haven't really explored because you've enjoyed your ability to play Navy or whatever. Right. You're also going to have USC in there every year. So I, despite the fact that Oregon and Stanford and these other, you know, as the Big Ten seeks to be the vultures that pick at the bones of these collapsing conferences, you still have to look at th- – who's closest to home relative to where the longstanding interests are. And I think Notre Dame, even though they've publicly said, we, you know, want to do our own thing, you got to follow the money. And you can see where both parties are kind of bringing themselves to where I feel like eventually Notre Dame is going to have to jump on the train. So we'll just see how quickly it happens.
0: Yeah, and that's an excellent point. And and culturally, um, you know, historically, I think it's a great fit. I mean, that's what people have been saying about Notre Dame for a long time. And, you know, they've been able to justify their independence with the cash that they're getting. But I think as we've seen, that's not going to remain the case. Like they're not going to be able to keep pace with their own little independent thing um, in terms of the money they get in comparison to, you know, what they would get in a conference, like the big 10, the big 10. I mean, these schools, terrible schools like Rutgers, right. And it doesn't matter how bad they are. They're still making money hand over fist uh, because they're part of a really, um, you know, solid television and, and broadcasting package, which, you know, Albeit one that apparently has not been completed for the 2023 20, year. But regardless, that's like seven billion dollars. And yes, you're splitting it a lot of ways, but also yes, it's seven billion dollars. <laughs> uh so yeah, that's 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 a lot of money. I mean, I'm not a mathematician, but that seems like a lot. Um so eventually I think
1: it's it's going to you know be behoove them to make that move. By the way, it was NBC Sports Chairman Pete Bavakwa to succeed Jack Swarbrick to become Notre Dame's 13th Athletics Director in 2024. So do you think that guy is going to have some sort of involvement in shepherding the fighting Irish through this uh, new exciting time where NBC is uh, suddenly jumping into bed with the Big Ten? Come on, folks.
0: Follow the money. Yeah, I think I think that has become much more likely in the past year or so, and that that definitely adds to it. Um, so we'll keep monitoring that. We'll keep taking a look at that and seeing how that works out. Um, I'm excited for the fact that they they have shuffled this a little bit. Um, you know, again, the Penn State not being the protected game, it is kind of a bummer, but I don't think it's a huge loss. But, again, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out in the upcoming seasons. Let's go ahead and shift to our favorite part of the program. Let's ask us anything. But before we do that, we want to remind you that you can help the, uh, the Dubcast 11 Warriors out uh, by shopping at our sponsor, uh, drygoods.11warriors.com. Shirts, hats, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. It's awesome. It's summer. Go ahead and get your amazing uh, shirts and all kinds of other things um, at drygoods.11warriors.com. Let's I want to do By ask March. us anything. I will also say I get a lot of spam and ask us anything like not just ask us anything in my general eleven warriors account um and uh, I just. <laughs> I just want to read this one real quick. This is a, a fun piece of spam that I get. Bring out.
1: that up, and I've got one
0: to Okay, this one to. is uh, – it starts this <laughs> I
1: Even me and my nobody lowest no, man no, on no, the total great. pole roll. I even get my own ridiculous emails. No,
0: I love this one. <laughs> the subject header is uh, cocktails in Barbados, George. And it says, howdy, Johnny. Maybe you're drinking pina coladas in Barbados right now, or I came off too strong. And then there's a, and then there's an AI generated picture of this guy looking really sad with a uh, a blank uh, like whiteboard in front of him that says, "Where's my invite, Johnny?" <laughs> Unfortunately, your invite is not uh, forthcoming. I apologize. It's it's that's that's, that's not happening. What what do you got?
1: Okay, so I I got a uh, email from a qualitative research manager at a company called Zentro. Okay. I won't I won't repeat her name. I don't know if this is a bot or not. I, I, I would have to imagine this is, she's got her LinkedIn and her at in her, ad, in her uh, signature. So I think this is a real thing. Okay. But this is an email I got and it didn't go into my spam folder at my Eleven Warriors email. It was asking me to do a $350 paid interview on flat roof water damage. <laughs> <laughs> and didn't you, why didn't you take that? Are you kidding me? It's $350. I want to, Now, I do want to clarify in my previous work as a uh, content strategist, I have worked with contractors and I've, I've done, uh, I've built pages for them before okay. where, you know, talking about stuff like sure. this. But that's just me being, you know, a, a search engine marketing BS artist. Mm-hmm. That's not me being a professional contractor. And this person reached out. <laughs> Don't tell your man. I 11. believe in you. Why are you emailing me about this in my Ohio State goofy <laughs> you know, podcasting gig? I love that.
0: <laughs> I absolutely love that. And I think, honestly, like really what you need to do is one t- at one point you just need to jump on it. That's all I'm saying
1: she's um, gonna pay me 350
0: dollars for this why <laughs> well or just get your bank account information either one i mean it's you know. hey we'll get that money man please. All, right. all right let's let's do actual ask us anything uh so this is from uh joshua f who sent this actually i think shortly after recording last week so sorry it's taking a minute joshua um what is the most ridiculous thing you've ever purchased at a local arts festival or similar
1: event where small craft vendors sell you their wares oh my god you go first but i have such a funny story oh great okay well i don't i don't have a great story i did buy
0: one recently and it's one of those things where it's like you know you kind of bought something because you spent too much time in their booth and now you felt guilty and you had to like just buy the cheapest thing that they had so, uh, there was this one, uh, up in Worthington that I went to and it was like a cartoonist guy and it wasn't very good. And like, I was just looking at it cause I was bored. Like I was wheeling my kid around and you know, it was just, I was taking him out cause I was doing solo dad duty and, um, you know, it was hot and <laughs> I just wanted to be in the shade. So I was just farting around in his, his tent and he kept chatting me up and asking me stuff and I'm like. You know, if I were, you know, more cutthroat, I'd just say like buy, but instead I bought like a $10, um, cartoon. It's like, and it's like, the thing is when guys, when people do this, they don't do it on like an eight by 11, eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. They do it on like a three by five postcard. So I spent like 10, $12, on like a three by five postcard size thing of like some goofy guy in a spaceship blasting off the moon. It looks terrible. And I spent, and I was like, Oh yeah, I'll put this in my son's room. I threw it away immediately. So
1: that oh. was stupid. All right. So I uh, I talked about I think Ravinia last week. Oh was yeah, last week. So that's one outdoor music event in Chicago. Another one that some folks may be familiar with is a uh, Pitchfork. That's a bit more mm-hmm. hip. Not quite Lollapalooza, but, you know, still in that summer rotation mix. Yeah. Pretty solid hipster. Like oh, yeah. RC That's crowd. like hipster so, you like know, epicenter, this... right? I mean, it... Oh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of, you know, vendors and whatnot and people giving stuff out. So, this was like a, I think 2014, so not quite 10 years ago. I was in college. I still at Ohio State. Um, but it was like a rainy day or like there was storms coming in. People were still out and about, but it was... Like, all of the grass and stuff was, like, it was getting, like, matted down and, like, it was already wet. And, like, it was not the conditions you would want for a festival, but it's, like, you know, show must go on and people are going to be Right, right, right. So, one of the vendors was doing something that I thought was really, really peculiar. I had never seen it before and I had never seen it since. They had an enormous like just sheet of like carpet and they were just like cutting up squares of it and giving it out to people. They were only giving it out to people. If you like gave them your email for like this email address list, they were going to do this. Okay. Probably like a music promotion thing or something. Um, So I gave them like, you know, a fake email address for what was effectively a fake square piece of car. And I, I was, I remember carrying this thing around and we, we actually, one of my friends ended up like bringing chairs or something. So we ended up all having chairs. And I remember just walking around the whole day carrying the square of carpet. <laughs> and I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? You just look like a why did they. Why do they make people get like trade something for the nobody's gonna use this after today, <laughs> especially if you put it on the ground there and sure enough, as I was walking out, the whole ground is just littered with carpet squares. Right, right. All right. over the place. <laughs> it was just such a misguided decision. I gotta
0: tell you something, uh, man. One of my favorite things to do at festivals and carnivals where there's like people giving out free stuff is just to come up with as many different um fake emails and names as I possibly can just to get free stuff. And I don't even like, I got a, um, I got a free yoga mat uh, at a, at a thing. And like, it was one of those spin the wheel things. And I put in, uh, I put in a fake email and a fake name and it was, uh, you know, like I said, one of those spin the wheel things and all the other prizes were like a piece of candy or like a coupon for like a free, like half off a free yoga session. And the big prize was the yoga mat. And so I won the yoga mat and they were like, do you really want a yoga mat? <laughs> like they clearly knew that I'd put in a fake name, a fake email. But I was like, yeah, I want the freaking yoga mat. <laughs> and so <laughs> I i don't do yoga, by the way, in case anybody actually wanted to know. But I was like, what if I need it? What if I need it? So I uh, i am cutthroat on that. And you know what? I would have taken that carpet square with relish because that anytime it's something free, it's for me. That's how I
1: feel about it. So. I took it home, but I've since moved out of Chicago, and I don't know what happened to it. But I did I did take care of it for the time oh, it was good. in my possession. Good. Then it served its purpose. Um, it did not.
0: <laughs> this is a very weird question. I like this. Uh, this is from Kevin, who wants to know, Guys, this is a question that scholars have pondered for centuries. How many angels can dance on the head of a pen? <laughs> that's Ask Us Anything.
1: That's Nobody has pondered anything. that ever.
0: How many angels... 3 Kevin 3 angels can dance on the head of a pen. 3 uh, angels I don't know
1: I looked I, it, it up It depends on what angels we're talking about here They're
0: the it's uh, yeah. Christopher Lloyd it's angels in the outfield Okay <laughs> And it's only if they're it's only if they're doing that stupid was it uh, who was
1: that kid who was in that movie
0: <sighs> He was in Third Rock from the Sun
1: I'm actually Harvard irritated somebody asked us this question. This is an incredibly I know, bizarre I question. Great. I have no idea how to answer this.
0: We well, gotta give him a number.
1: <laughs> One. Yeah,
0: okay. Well, as a-
1: as many as you want, Kevin. <laughs>
0: Uh, an as infinite as
1: your imagination can possibly conceive
0: i did a google search an infinite number of angels can dance on the head of a pen as purely spiritual beings angels do not take up physical space so an infinite number of them could fit on any f- right physical
1: plane. yeah it's a, you just it's whatever you want there you go My well gosh. no it's
0: infinite it's, it's as many as they want uh <laughs> That was a great question, and I encourage you to uh, continue to ask questions like that. And I I hope, honestly, that uh, by the end of the summer, George, you're so broken down and angry by these that you just, like, explode in
1: confetti. I'm already very defeated getting into the semantics of angels. Good. This is, yeah. Uh,
0: Our last one here, this is from our good friend Alvin, who wants to know, what was your favorite color as a kid, and has it changed now that you're an adult?
1: Okay. Um less abstract green was my favorite as a kid. And it, it has stayed that it's interesting because my eye color has changed multiple times throughout my life. It was blue when I was a kid mm-hmm. and then it became green and then it slowly got to hazel. And as I've gotten older, it's slowly gotten back towards green. But when I was a kid, they were blue hmm. and I, you know, as they slowly started to get green, I was like, wow, that's cool. I like, I like, green is my favorite color because of that. And then I slowly like lost it as I became a young adult, but it's slowly come back for some reason. Okay. So like green, green all the way for me.
0: Yeah. I'm green is also my favorite color. When I was a kid though, uh, my favorite was red because of the Cincinnati reds. And I also thought it was like a tough color. I was like, Oh yeah. you like red then you're a badass because i was like the opposite of a badass as a kid i was more of
1: a scarlet guy myself (laughs) that's right
0: (laughs) um no red red because i was a Cincinnati Reds fan and i also like the Bearcats and i wasn't into as Ohio State as much until i got like maybe 9 10 11 years old um and you know i was a i was a wimpy kid i cried a lot i was afraid of everything i'm still afraid of everything but like you know i don't make it as obvious as i did when i was younger and i now thought red fearless would be,
1: podcast host. that's right
0: and i thought red would make it a little less obvious so uh, i was big into red i liked red and black obviously you know for the reds and the bearcats um but green you know i like it's a nice calming color uh my uh my first car that i i really um you know like had as an adult i had a car in, in high school that lasted about a year and a half that was baby blue and that was pretty sick but as an adult uh, i i my mom upgraded. So I took her car and she had a green car. So I drove that for like, God, 12 years, something like that. It was this 2001 Chevy Cavalier did not have anything but AM FM radio did not even have a tape deck. So that was pretty sweet stick.
1: And I enjoyed that
0: car quite a bit until it just basically
1: fell apart. You know, do you still know how to drive? Stick? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And, and so I don't drive stick now, but I still know how to do it. I, and you know, I, occasionally find myself in the need of doing it sometimes but I I learned how to drive stick because I used to deliver auto parts and I got hired at the place without them asking me if I knew how to drive any of their trucks so I spent like the first day and a half just uh destroying the transmission of one of their trucks around their parking lot uh figuring out how to drive stick so yeah you know and I enjoyed it I like I like driving stick but um you know now it's all fancy computers and spaceships and all that other crap so
1: well no it's it's cool man it's a lost talent i wanted to get a wrangler when for my first car but couldn't learn how to drive sticks so i i I, i'm jealous of your talents in that area
0: yeah you know what it used to be something that was like valuable but now like one out of every 100 cars basically stick so it's not even really a it's not even that you know applicable of a talent but um you know, it's fun to drive, especially if you don't have to like start and stop in city traffic. If you're out kind of on the road, you're on a country road or in the highway or something, it's it's fun to drive. I like doing that. Um, so that's ask, ask Us Anything. Thank you for sending those in. We'll continue answering them as long as you keep asking them. Uh, we got a few more things before we get out of here. First of all, what the hell's going on in Georgia? The Atlanta Journal-Constitution, which, by the way, does some incredible reporting. I mean, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is not like some kind of, like, podunk newspaper that doesn't know what they're doing. These guys, like, report on serious stuff and have so for decades. Um, They did a report about uh, Atlanta, or excuse me, and Georgia players uh, down in Athens, um, you know, really, really just kind of being super reckless with their cars, with their, with their driving. We're talking about driving right now. This is a good segue because um, there are some interesting facts in here. Uh, one of my favorites was that uh, during Kirby smarts time as head coach, all right. When about 350 athletes were on his rosters, the police have charged Georgia players with traffic offenses, nearly 300 times. <laughs> uh, many violations were more minor. So not wearing a seatbelt or, you know, you know, using your phone while you're driving. But at least 60 times players were caught doing 20 miles per hour or more over the speed limit, 30 miles per hour or more, 14 times, and 40 miles per hour or more, seven times. Three players went over 100 miles an hour, including one on a street where the speed limit was 35. And another thing about this is that, like, it's not necessarily about what they're doing. It's also that Kirby Smart is just kind of, like, doing whatever to punish them and, and not making that apparent. Uh, the article talks about how um, – uh, one of the punishments was just running steps in front of some donors for a little bit. And my, my quote of this article is uh, quote. Everyone wants to know, everybody wants to know what the punishment is said smart after a recent string of arrests. Well, the players know what the punishment is. <laughs> it's like, yes, but those are two separate thoughts, Kirby. Everyone wants to know what the punishment is. We know the players know what the punishment is. They're the ones getting punished. The reason why people want to know is because they want to know if they're actually getting punishment adequate to what they're doing. Um, I don't know, man. I'm not usually one to wring my hands too much about like, you know, it was the culture messed up? Or are these players just bad kids, blah, blah, blah. But like 300 citations over the course of a few years, that seems like a lot.
1: I, there's a lot of different ways that you can look at this. So I, before I look at this from the perspective of Ohio State, I I first want to keep this within the SEC, and I want and I think it's interesting. You know, I when we were talking about this before the show started, I was doing a lot of tongue in cheek stuff relative to you know Michigan and Ohio State. But the more I think about this, the more that I think that someone like Kirby Smart really should be more responsible about policing this stuff. I mean, yeah. I'm I'm serious because Kirby Smart got to Georgia in 2016. And the year after he left Alabama was when Henry Ruggs got to Alabama. And it was only a few years after that that Henry Ruggs went 160 miles an hour in a, in a car. Uh, I believe there was substance abuse involved in that as well. And uh, he's now his NFL career is now over, and he's in prison for that. And that's a very obvious right. case. I mean, again, the substance abuse thing angle is there. He didn't do that at Alabama he was already an nfl football player but you have a, a a case there where you have a high level visible talent that spent time at the instit- an institution that you you know built your brand off of to where you are able to get to georgia now you had you should be able to point to that as an example of like this is a player from a circle that i've been within that this is a, an example of you should not be conducting yourself like this, not regardless of the well, substance relative to vehicle operation. It's, it's a very easy, transparent thing to, to show to young men like this, and he really should be more responsible about handling a situation like this than letting it get to the point of 300 citations. That, 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 is, that sounds like a lack of institutional control if we're going to be, use it as an umbrella term.
0: Let's talk about why this is even a story though, right? Like if, if it weren't for the fact that you had, you know, a high profile, like horrible accident that caused the deaths of people at the university of Georgia, right. That, I mean, that's, that's a huge deal. That's a huge deal with Wilcock and LaCroix. I mean, that's, that's, a tragedy that happened because of reckless driving of, of people not doing what they need to do. And if there's any incident, I mean, you talked about, we've talked about like two major ones, obviously right here, if anything would cause a program to kind of look at themselves and go, you know, something needs to change. The culture needs to change. We need to address this in a more concrete way. You would think that that would be it, right? You would think that that would be part of, you know, what, um, you know, would change what was going on. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's weird that there's still this kind of like, you know, uh, this, this air, this, this wall of silence that gets propped up and it's almost accepted by uh, football culture sometimes because it's like, well, you know, there's football coach needs the discretion to do what they need to do. Okay. Well, when people are literally dying, right. As a result of people being irresponsible, I'm sorry, that doesn't apply. So when Kirby smart says something like, oh, well, you know, the kids know what the they know what the punishment is. They know how big of a, you know, disciplinarian I am. I'm making them run boys stairs. we will and, be boys. And, you know, make them apologize to boosters. That doesn't cut it at that point. It's one thing if some guys are, like, doing something stupid, like shoplifting or, like, shooting BB guns or something. And we've seen that at Ohio State, and that's – I understand that. Then there's a certain amount of, you know, coaches do need the leeway to be able to conduct discipline the way they see fit when it's something relatively minor. But when you have a situation where people have already died – when you have a repeated pattern of behavior throughout your team of doing illegal stuff, I don't think Kirby smart's response cuts it. I don't think that's enough. I think you've got to do way more uh, publicly to address what's going on on your team because you don't want other people to die. You don't want more people to get hurt. That's really what it comes down to. It's not something innocent or silly or stupid. It's something that really puts other people's lives at risk. And Saying like, oh, well, we got to keep this in-house. Like, you can't do that. Well, it's
1: interesting that that you use that term wall of silence because I've used that term to joke about the sort of uh, veil that has emerged in Ann Arbor that I effectively refer to as the maze and blue wall of silence, uh, which is a play on the original term, blue wall of silence. But it's still appropriate Mm -hmm. in this context because if you recall, the... uh, the Mozzie Smith uh, scandal that emerged oh, up in Michigan uh, late in the season was not that wasn't just yeah. like the the cops happening by random circumstance saying, oh, this guy's got a gun that he doesn't quite have the paperwork for yet. Now, he was driving right. very recklessly through a neighborhood very fast when they pulled him over and he had that still at the time illegal weapon on him. I, so it, I I wonder how much it other like there's just a lot of things that you don't hear about. There was also another traffic incident, I believe, uh, with the a former Michigan point guard, if I'm not mistaken, a, a few years ago, where he he got into some sort of traffic incident, a reckless driving incident that was so, somewhat swept out of media attention. Um, I'm for, I'm forgetting his name at the moment. But you're you wonder how much of this reckless driving relative to the athletes is allowed to take place at, at a lot of these different uh, high level football programs. Another great example, if you you know can you want to look into it over the last ten or fifteen years, would be how Notre Dame handles uh, its players that fall into circumstances of uh, driving under the influence. That's That's got a pattern right. of not really being handled correctly relative to when those details emerge. And now I do say all of this as someone who has seen the video of Terrell Pryor driving away in a, a Nissan 350Z many years ago. So well, I, I do try to be fair, but... You just wonder how much reckless driving is really going on at all other programs around the country, perhaps not as bad as what is at Georgia, but it seems like this has been a problem in a lot of different places for quite a bit.
0: Right. And I think the larger issue is it's not even just specifically about reckless driving. It's about taking these kind of things seriously and addressing them and, and not pretending that know this this excuse that oh well we can handle all this in-house like we'll figure this out they'll get punished believe me i'm the i'm the football coach so we're gonna we're gonna make sure that these young men get you know the, the proper punishment and all that stuff you can't trust that anymore with a lot of this stuff and we've seen incidents from high school to college to pros where it is imperative that some of these things are done publicly and out in the open because if they're not then first of all, it's going to encourage other people to do the same thing if they don't feel like they're actually punished. And secondly, people who are affected by it, right? And their families who are affected by it, they don't feel like they're they're seeing any kind of improvement or justice out of it. So I don't know. I mean, it's it, it seems petty, right? Out of context, if you look at it and go, oh, they're just getting a bunch of like traffic tickets down in Georgia, it, it seems petty. It doesn't seem like newsworthy, but in context where you've got, you know, two people who died because of reckless driving, um, other past incidents at other colleges, Like it it adds up to a lot. And that's one of those things that, you know, we kind of discuss about. And I think sometimes, like you mentioned, like, you know, if it's not your program, you're kind of like, you know, you're like, Oh, okay. Well, it's not that big a deal, Um, but it is, it affects everybody. It affects every college. And, you know, even at Ohio state, that's something that you got to have your head on a swivel about. Now I do think that Ohio state is generally pretty good. And I think the Columbus community is pretty good about not giving players sometimes the same kind of leeway they might get at other places. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can rest on your laurels or uh, pretend
1: like it doesn't happen or, or shouldn't Johnny, happen. the reason for that is because we have a strong authority in place like Campus Park that keeps our, our players <laughs> and Columbus community honest. That is, that is why. That is what Georgia needs. <laughs> that God. is how they will regain Finally, institutional someone's control.
0: Finally, someone's giving them their due. They They have been waiting so long for you to say that, and they're like <laughs> – Every dubcast is like, when are they going to give us credit for Ohio State staying on? Have the you ever deal? seen any Thank ridiculous
1: driving on campus? Can I ask? <laughs> no, no. I once no. saw when I was a senior. I used to live on Lane and in Indianola, and that intersection. If you, I mean that that thing is hell. If you've, been, oh, I know exactly. it's yeah, the worst. Course. And uh, I once saw a Domino's delivery person and another person like t-bone each other in that middle lane full on like not quite accordioned, but you know both bumpers pretty bad turned both of them around neither one of them got out the dominoes guy kept going the other guy dipped out first these two both Mm -hmm. hit each other and spun out in the intersection and neither one of them got out to trade insurance information or anything they just That's booked insane. it. The Domino's guy went to finish the delivery, and one of the people <laughs> on the street that saw it with me was just like, listen, I just want to let you know. They called the store. They called Domino's. And it was like,
0: I just oh saw one of your
1: drivers do a hit and run, <laughs> so he's going to go get his tip, but like, I'm just letting you know. <laughs>
0: He's getting dude, that guy's getting a raise. That's good service, if you ask me. I wonder I, I really want to know what state that pizza is in too when it gets oh. dropped off. Like he gives it to somebody, he sees a delivery driver with like half a car missing, and then his pizza's like just you know, it's all folded on one side of the box. I've, got, he's yeah, like, I've you, gotten them like Thank
1: that you. before, man. It's rough. It's tough. But Lane and in Indianola, I know the Columbus residents are already privy probably, but stay stay away. Oh, of course. oh my god, and at least look both ways. Because that, that thing
0: Yeah, man. I used to live, I used to live very close to that. I used to live actually near summit and Hudson and, um, that was always a huge mess too, but I live like not super far away from that. And I definitely, I hear, I hear the people going up and down every night, like just dragging. I mean, you know, we got people, dirt bikes, doing their four by fours. It's, it's, it's wild out here. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so that's that's what's going on down there in Georgia. But, you know, like I said, could be going on in other places as well. Um, interesting, this happened tonight. Four-star New Jersey safety Jalen McClain commits to Ohio State. A lot of people who might have been a little bit worried about the state of defensive recruiting, maybe this makes them feel a little bit better. I like uh, defensive players from Jersey. I'm just going to say that right now, especially like West Orange Jersey. I'm cool with that. So um, I think that's a pretty good addition to Jim Knowles defense. You got a guy who's going to be the, uh, I guess, technically you would say strong safety, but the maybe the more appropriate word, I guess, in this defense is bandit. Um, so that's a guy I know that, you know, when you're looking at Jim Knowles defense, that's a dude who plays a pretty important role. And I'm I'm happy that they got in a four star that that looks legit. He looks like a, a pretty 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 good get, and that uh and that yeah I know I
1: know Sonny Styles came in as a safety, but you know they they're gonna have him rotating around a few different places, and uh right. you know they had Jihad Carter can't come in from uh, Syracuse too for the safety spot. So I um I think they were pretty short up in that area already for short term and long term, but I mean you know can't. I I can't be upset about this. Like you said, it's an important role in the defense and shoring that up. It can uh, only be a good thing relative to competitive development or anything else. So I'm uh, happy to see it, obviously. Welcome, Mr. McLean, to the Ohio State University. Yeah, it's pretty cool.
0: Also in recruiting news, Brian Hartline was talking a little about uh, receivers transferring. Uh, One of the things that he said is that he, um, you know, (laughs) he completely understands, I guess, uh, why guys would would transfer and and really I mean it's I'm glad that he has that kind of attitude about it because first of all like if you're getting in the best of the best of the best every single year um, at that position you're gonna have to expect some you know attrition and some guys who are like look I can be starting in almost any other school um, you know I I'm gonna try to go apply my trade elsewhere and we've even seen obviously with Jamo right like you go to an Alabama and you become a first round traffic. It's not exactly the worst gig in the world being an Ohio state transfer wide receiver. And it, it seems like Brian Hartline's got a pretty good attitude about it. And honestly, I don't know, you know, that he couldn't, I mean, if he was salty about it, I think that would hurt his recruiting, but um, it's just interesting to see that that's where they're at with their wide receiver recruiting that it's like, Oh, well, if we lose the five stars, it's fine. You know, like it's, it's part of the deal.
1: It's part of the deal. You get, you get three, you might lose one or two, but you know, you still got the other guys. I mean, what do you, what do you want them to say? Like, Oh, I'm, I'm devastated. We're, we're losing these guys that told me they were going to be here.
0: There are some people are like, I want them to be pissed. You got to keep every
1: single dude
0: on campus that you recruited. That's how guys, it's supposed to be. They made a commitment to the Ohio State. They had to stay here you know, all. Why four aren't years.
1: these guys wasting away their talent and youth on the on my bench? I'm I'm very upset. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. In the
0: case, and in, in the event, and in the, in the event that somebody gets hurt, and then somebody else gets hurt, and then somebody else gets hurt, and then they get in as a sophomore.
1: It worked for um, Julian why Fleming. Can't
0: they? <laughs> but that's the thing, though, man. Like that's not that's. I think what I understand, what you understand, what obviously Brian Hartline understands is that's simply not, um, that's just not feasible, right? When you're recruiting at this high level when you've got that many guys in the wide receiver room, uh, you can only keep so many of them. And when they're able to transfer the way they are, then you just kind of got to accept it and wish them luck. And I think for the most part, I think Ohio State fans have been pretty good about transfers out of Ohio State. Like, would you agree with that? Where you know, like especially with Joe Burrow, like a lot of people wanted him to be the starter, but I don't think anybody begrudged him going to LSU or Jamo, for example, um, going to Alabama. I think everybody kind of understood why they did that. I don't think anybody. No, was upset in the about
1: Jamo him. case, people were very upset about that. And and you know, relative to some of the other ones that we've seen lately, like Kayla Brown, I, I that you know they were willing to recognize, like, okay, you know, I can see why someone like that's yes. leaving. Jamo, I think. It, J-Mo kind of egged it on though he he I think initially bit, there yeah. wasn't much of it but then he acknowledged that there was some and I think that kind of inflamed the response but that to a but I, I don't do hold this fan base accountable for any response to anything anymore because it's just too big <laughs> uh, the things that we've that's, seen that's people retaliate to even relative to like. 11 warrior staff members not even people that are actually like on the team or working for the university it, the opinions that some people have in the in the lowest depths of this fan base that they feel entitled to act upon is completely goofy so you never really know what you're going to expect in terms of the worst of what Ohio State fans have mm-hmm. to offer but I think it goes both ways you know in terms of your expectations for the best of people and the worst of people i've just accepted at this point you're going to get it with both ends of this fan base just because of how massive it is so it doesn't nothing surprises me in terms of how they get treated there's always going to be people that are upset that people are punting on the brand so it is what it is
0: I will say one of my, my favorite instances of this, one of the funniest instances of this uh, to me was uh, this is probably when the first year or two I'd start, I had been writing for 11 warriors and Luke Zimmerman was still on the pod or well, he was still on the site at the time we were doing the podcast and uh, the TV show lost was ending. (laughs) And this is back when 11 warriors probably got like a thousand hits like a day or something like that, or not even that maybe like, you know, 500 hits a day. So basically nobody was reading this thing. And uh, Luke, it was an off season post Luke wrote something about comparing the the series finale of Lost to Ohio State somehow. I don't even remember how he did it. Um, And it was just a silly post. It was probably 500 words, whatever. He got a death threat. (laughs) Like, somebody somebody was like, I'm going to kill you, Luke Zimmerman. I'm still waiting for
1: one of those. uh, You know.
0: Yeah, and it's like, you know, first of all, why would you get that upset about it? Second of all... Why would you get that upset about it? And third of all, like the mentality that it takes to like type up a rant and then decide to hit the send button is just, that's a lot of anger. And I don't think it's unique to Ohio state fans or anybody. It's just when, like you said, with a large enough group of people, you're going to get people to do some crazy stuff. Um, And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've gotten my share of, 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 people hating on joy i will say some of it's pretty funny and creative i always bring up the fact that somebody says i uh, or they said that i sound like a surfer dude on Bass salts i appreciated uh-huh. that um that's the kind of that's the kind of uh insulting um uh comments that i actually kind of enjoy so if you got any more of those go ahead i'm cool with that um but yeah there's there's some crazy stuff out there Uh, Last thing I want to say real quick, this is, uh, you know, a bit of an icon that looks like it's on the way out. St. John Arena, the scoreboard, is is out. It's gone. Uh, I know some fans have some attachment to it, but I think this is pretty much um indication you know one of the highest indications that that is not much longer for this uh planet i think they're they're moving forward with replacing
1: it that's somehow. tough because that's that i i maintain that's the best place on campus to watch a basketball game which certainly isn't it is not the schottenstein center so i uh it's a tough it'll be a tough thing to lose uh i know it's kind of inconveniently in the middle of uh lane relative to the stadium so i'm sure that for the game day experience right. they'll probably be grateful to have that uh you know cleared out just for mobility purposes but uh seems to lose that one i don't really know how you make the schottenstein less cavernous and more uh, fun and intimate for the fans relative to what st john's offered so it's uh it will be very much missed especially relative to what the alternatives are now
0: well and i don't know what you do about skull session like there there's a little bit more logistical things involved with losing that at some point i mean i don't know when they're actually going to do it or what they'll replace it with but like I don't know. I mean, it is, it is kind of a campus mainstay and you are kind of losing, uh, a part of campus culture. I will say that for people in the past 15, 20 years, like you've been at Ohio state. I mean, I went to St. John arena for skull sessions and nothing else, uh, when I was a student and I, you know, started in 2003. So it is an iconic part of Ohio state's history. You don't like seeing that being lost. On the other hand, people really haven't been going there or using it for all that much. I know they've done some basketball games and they've had volleyball games and other stuff like that, but, um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what their approach is in replacing its functionality, and also what they are looking for in, you know, showing some of those other sports like volleyball or even men's and women's basketball. Um, are there is there going to be an alternative place besides the shot, or they're going to double down on it? So we'll see what they do. Uh, but this is definitely, I think, the start of a um, a transformation in how they uh, tackle some of those non football sports. Uh, including basketball and and how they present that to an audience. So we'll see how that goes. Um, But this is definitely the start of that. I I definitely think that. So that's the Dubcast for this week. Uh, We'd like to thank you for, again, listening, sending in those questions. George and I, of course, will continue answering the questions and discussing all the things that are going on in the college football world and beyond um, and uh, you know, maybe we'll see some more movements on the recruiting front. Maybe we'll see some more stuff going on with the Big Ten. Who knows? Uh, but we'll see you next week. And until then, I'm Johnny. I'm George. And have a great night.